but it's essential for us. We want to invite you into community. I would love to begin here. If you, if you put your finger up into the wind and you kind of gauge like a pulse of where we are, this is where we are when it comes to community or maybe lack thereof. Uh, over the last 20 years, church attendance has actually been cut in half over the last few decades. It's just the nature of, of the reality of where we are, and it's beyond that. Uh, in the book Bowling Alone, Wesley said this shirt looks like a bowling ball. So in, um, in the book Bowling Alone, uh, this was a work that was done in the early 2000s. It was a, a lengthy work around the decline of community life. Uh, and he used the, the author used the example of, of bowling leagues and how the commitment to bowling leagues, it's just, that's, like, that's like dinosaur age. You know, like, it's so far in the past for us. But that was a normal rhythm within our cultural framework for some time. But we see a slow social decay of commitment together. This is not a reality for us anymore. It's not just t- church attendance, but all forms of community that require commitment are on the decline in our society today. Community life is deteriorating in our generation. We're seeing a a sad reality of a deterioration of community life. I've mentioned this before, but there is a minister in Great Britain, a minister of loneliness. It's such an epidemic in Great Britain that they have a minister solely focused on caring for those who feel lonely in Great Britain. We love kids here, so no pain or problem at all. We do love kids. Glad you guys are here. But there are 9 million Great Britons that have said they feel lonely. And so there is this epidemic that they had brought in a minister for that. Uh, Loneliness is the sad reality of the modern age, the modern life. A Gallup poll uh, had said that Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. That's interesting. We are the most connected we have ever been in the history of the world. And yet, Americans are some of the most lonely people in the world. It's sad. Loneliness leads to a wide range of health problems. You might not know this, but a Harvard Business Review cited that social isolation is associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like the way that isolation and loneliness is, sh- is uh, negatively shaping who we are and, and how we operate is, is uh, becoming more and more apparent. It's greater effect on your lifespan than obesity. It leads to heart disease, anxiety, depression. Some of us are well aware of that. And none of this is relating to or pointing to the pandemic. And the quarantine that we just came out of over the last couple of years. I mean, think about all of those studies took place prior to what happened in the year of COVID-2020. If I'm even allowed to say that date, I don't know if we're not allowed to say that anymore. It's such a negative thing on our lives. But some people have felt frozen when it comes to community. Maybe some of you have felt this way. It's harder to get involved. It's everything feels slower in connecting with people. It's more daunting. It's more exhausting. We feel that. There's this typically what would, uh, belonging would take much shorter. It's taking much longer as we move out of COVID and everything related to that. So the question is, is there a practice in the life and teaching of Jesus that bucks against individualism and invites us into a life of community? The answer is yes. And we want to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And the way I want to tee that up is I want to invite up Matt and Ashley Chesler, the uh, sole front rowers. Uh, you guys would know them as that. Someone's got to do it, guys. Someone's got to do it. Uh, so Matt and Ashley have been a part of our community from the very beginning. 
uh, and they have been a part of different community groups. I wanted to just allow them to share a little bit about their story uh, with community and community groups and such. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Good? Are we on? We're on. We're on. Okay. Yep. Good morning. Um, I am Ashley Chesler. Ashley Chesler, that's my name, for those of you that I haven't They met. just got married. Uh, so she was just, yeah. Yeah, 10 years ago. Um, anyways, so yeah, like Ernie said, we have been at Sojourn since the beginning, and we, in those early days, like, we were in community group. We all, I feel like we all had babies. We were in it. Um, and then as our kids have gotten a little bit older, we have been, we had a couple years that really we were not in community groups. So we recommitted last year. Um, we signed up, and I was thinking about what to say, and I feel like I could just go on and on and on because our community group was amazing. Um, but I think, like, if I'm summing it up, this last year has been a really difficult one for us. Um, and if it weren't for community that we were investing in, I think it would have been just so lonely and hard um but we came each week and we really have made a lot of new friends and just like we really opened ourselves up I think every couple there were like 18 of us and we opened ourselves up and we committed to coming and um not just like being there but really like pouring our hearts out together and it was really beautiful um so I would just encourage you if you haven't joined one um to sign up as the signups are coming and I think Matt has some stuff too. Yeah, uh, for Ashley, it's Tesla like Tesla. Just so it's helpful. Thank you. We don't drive a Tesla though, we drive a Toyota. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I would say uh, a couple things in addition to what Ashley said. Um, first is I have a tendency to get sucked into like what's going on existing in my week. Like I leave Sunday and it's like, okay, great. This engagement with the Lord. Um, Wednesday for us was a great like reset midweek to like recognize and, and move towards what I want to pursue as a man, a husband, and a, a father. Um, and then the really secret sauce was I also went Thursday morning to the men's group. So three times I had reminders of like how to uh, engage. Actually, in we were in the same community group and he actually was in charge of coffee every week, which we really appreciated him forgetting. Most weeks he forgot, which was cool. We had, we had water, so thank I you. I can again. commit to coming to community group. I can't necessarily commit to a job. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, again, like, encourage if you're, like, it's hard. We have three boys if you haven't seen on the front row, and it's crazy. And they have activities, but, like, committing to a community group is, was really, really tough for us, but it paid dividends mm in a particularly difficult year for us. Um, and so if, like, you're asking the Lord, should I do, do a community group? Like, this is the Lord telling you, yes, you should do a community group. Um, wow, I didn't even think of that. That was the Holy Spirit. I don't know. So is that a lot? Okay. One more thing I would, um, I know that we have all been here for different times, but I would recommend trying to get in a community group that's not just all your same friends mm. because that's really where the beauty comes. Mm. So. Good word. Good word. Thank you, guys. Matt and Ashley Chesla. Matt and Ashley Chesla, like Tesla, and also like Toyota. It's good. Um, so the rest of our time, I want to consider uh, what a vision for community is, what it isn't, and then a couple invitation points I want to invite us into over these next couple weeks as we consider what this looks like for us. And so I want to begin by considering what community is not. 
what is community not? Because I, I think we have to kind of decipher a little bit because it can get a little muddy. What community is not? Community is not the same as connectivity. It's not. Uh, you can be connected to someone and have no community. You can be a follower of somebody on a social media platform and have no community with them. So it's not the same as texting. It's not the same as FaceTime. It's not the same as social media. It's just not. We have to call it what it is because we're living in a digital age that makes us believe that if we're connected over some kind of platform that we have community and it's just not true at all. Again, the most lonely generation probably to ever live and the most connected generation to ever, ever live. And there's, there's clearly um, realities that we have to consider with that. Loneliness is, is peaking in my notes. Loneliness is peaking while we are more connected than ever. And so we yearn for face-to-face connection. We were made to look in somebody's eyes and talk. Like whether you're introverted or extroverted, I don't care. Like this isn't about being introverted or extroverted. That's about how, where you receive your source in life and how you renew. That's not about community. It's not that extroverts need more community than introverts. We were made by design, by God's image imprinted into us to desire connection. We are made to this face-to-face connection. Face-to-face is the most humanizing thing that we do. There's nothing more humanizing then looking into somebody's eyes, seeing facial, uh, how, how their face is responding, whether happy or sad, being able to empathize, being able to enter in, that is not something that you can do while texting. To be present with each other, to learn to listen, to empathize. We weren't made to be connected in and, 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 and a way of connectivity. We were made for community. We yearn to be known. We yearn to be loved. We need support and difficult times, like they were just sharing. We need to be able to support others while they're going through difficult times. This is the reality even for parents. I just challenge you with that. that that's why times of uh, having a meal together at night is so important, where the phones are put away, and you're able to have, fa- and the TV's off, and you're able to have face-to-face interaction. We need that as a part of who we are. Community is not the same as connectivity. Secondly, community is not the same as chemistry. There's a temptation to have a bar of community that's just ridiculously unrealistic. And if it doesn't hit that mark, then we're unable to enter into it. We, uh, my wife and I just came out of selling and, and buying a house. We were one of those dummies that decided to buy a house and sell a house in the market that we're in. And so we did, and we've come out of it. And in the process of it, we had some non-negotiables. That we knew, like, these things were things that we weren't going to budge on. If a house didn't have this, then we weren't going to budge on, uh, we weren't going to move forward with this house. And it's good to have non-negotiables because it helps you know uh, what to have and what not to have. But an unrealistic bar would be someone who had a $300,000 budget for a house and, and had dreams that were uh, for a multi-million dollar house. Like, it's just, it would be very unrealistic to think you could get all of those things, to get the the putting green in the backyard, to get the hot tub within the hot tub, to get all the rooms and all the heated floors and all the things in a a, uh, $300,000 budget. It would be very unrealistic. And in the same way, we can have that with community. This expectation that, that community should be this. And if it doesn't meet that mark, then we reject it. And in return, we can become disappointed. But again, community is not the same as chemistry. Likewise, we can romanticize uh, our view of community. 
to live in community, we have to de-romanticize it. So a guy that was around many moons ago, I talked about Corey Timboom last week. I'll talk about Dietrich Bonhoeffer this week. And so he was in a, he wrote a book called Life Together. He was in a co-housing community of about 150 that fought against Nazi Germany and tried, I mean, they were just these wild renegades wanting to follow Jesus at a really difficult time in human history. And in that book, he wrote this. He says, he who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. Meaning this, your dreams of community can actually destroy your reality of community. You can so have this idealized, unrealistic vision of community, and you can live your life having that as the standard, and bring that into the reality of people that you rub shoulders with, and it becomes a cancer that keeps you from actually being able to engage with those people. We have to be careful to de-romanticize community and actually enter into the realities of the people that are around us. Our dream of an ideal community can and will destroy the community that's before us. So we can look for a community like you can look for a soulmate. Spend all your life trying to find this person that completes you. No one's going to complete you. No one is. Only Jesus can. And in the same way, you can look for that within community, looking for this perfect match, and you're just not going to find it. And so we have to be able to settle for the realities, the gift that's before us, and allow that to be the opportunity to actually grow together. When chemistry is our goal, we search for a myth and we never find it. Community, the reality is, will disappoint you. People will disappoint you. People will frustrate you. You'll have to work through the dynamics of forgiveness within community. It's the nature of rubbing shoulders with imperfect people. And that's who we are. We are a body of imperfect people, and we will disappoint each other. But we can learn to grow and follow Jesus together. If we can get through those times of difficulty, we come out on the other side strong with depth and care and support. Again, community is not connectivity. Community is not chemistry, but there is a practice that Jesus invites us into, and I want to consider what that looks like in the remainder of our time. So what is community? The word in the Greek is koinonia. You've, you've heard of that if you've grown up in the church. It can be translated into three different things. It can be community, it can be fellowship, it can be partnership. But all three of those mean that it's, it's the same heart in that word. And so when Jesus invites us into community, he's inviting us into community, he's inviting us into partnership, He's inviting us into this depth of fellowship together. There's this kind of commonality that we, we have as we grow in community together. Uh, it's this mixture of both proximity, of geography, of closeness, and of co- a common objective. Um, I promise you, I, it's, it's, I really hope I never use another example like this before because you guys will start making fun of me. But I, um, I'm kind of testing the water on jumping into, um, I'll just call it a gym, uh, jumping into a gym. Um, and because if I say the specific name, then I'll, I'll get judged by some of you. Uh, and so as I've been going to the gym some um, over the last couple of weeks, this group is CrossFit. Okay, fine, it's CrossFit. <clears throat> and so um, I have been very surprised by how welcoming the people at this gym that I am, have been testing the waters at have been. They've been extremely friendly. And I've compared that with the local church. Because oftentimes, people come into a new community. Some of you guys might even feel this here. Come into a new community. Nobody reaches out, loves on you, gets to know you, and you leave. 
and you feel more uh, lonely coming to a church than you do coming to CrossFit. Like, I came, I've gone, and so many people, hey, just want to say I'm glad you're here. Want to introduce yourself, my name's Ernie. Like, just really common, basic social skills. And you come to church, like, people have their studies about how churches are a very lonely place. Like, how can we shift that? Like, how can we shift that if we want to actually follow Jesus together? That means that sometimes we can't just get in our little huddle and talk to our own people every week. Because what happens is the people that come, that come and leave and feel more lonely than they entered are feeling that way because you just talk to your friends every single week. So we have to consider as a community, are we acting more like Jesus together or not? And so is it something for us to reset on, that we would actually be a place where people felt less lonely than more, that we were actually a distinct community, that people entered, that entered into an otherworldly place that looked more like Jesus, that when they came into this place, they felt loved, they felt known, they felt cared for, even if it was you sacrificing talking to your friends so that you could actually love on people the way Jesus would. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is an opportunity for us as we revisit community to understand it's so much bigger than this little silo of ourselves. But it's an opportunity to grow, it's an opportunity to care, it's an opportunity to serve, to give up your rights, to give up your entitlement, to give up what you prefer, and actually serve one another. That sounds like Jesus, right? And that's what we want to be. And so this is an invitation that we are considering. I, I just consider those two realities, those two communities. I'm like, let it not be so. The CrossFit or... Uh, bar or wherever you go, I don't know the other places, YMCA, I don't know, whatever, um, the chess club, that wherever you go, that you feel more cared for there than you would at the church. Like, not here. Let it not be so here. And so, again, Koinonia is a group of people that, is, that are unified around the character of Jesus. And so in Acts 22:42 it says they devoted themselves to the scripture, to prayer, to fellowship together. There was this unity that they had. They were committed to Jesus. And so Jesus lays out this picture of community that is not what we think it is. So it's laid out. So in Matthew 4, I'll just run through a few verses with you. In Matthew 4, um, verse 18, we read this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat, and their father, and followed him. And so Jesus is inviting these people. He's inviting these ragtag people. We're going to meet them more in a minute. But he invites them into this relationship of uh, apprenticeship. That's what it is. It's uh, doing what Jesus did, uh, being what Jesus was, becoming like a Jesus, that they were actually becoming like Jesus in everything they were doing with their lives. And that's what we're called to as disciples. And so Jesus invites these people into this deep, meaningful uh, discipleship, apprenticeship relationship. Uh, it's not, he didn't invite them to be a disciple. He invited them to be disciples. This group of people, not silos, but group of people that were growing together. So you fast forward to verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, we read this. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. 
When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So tax collectors and sinners were the people that Jesus was rubbing shoulders with. And, and so someone comes to him and they're like, why are you eating with these people? Jesus, like, you know the social stigma of these people? And he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. See, mercy is the cornerstone of who Jesus is and who we are invited to be in Christian community. He's giving us this vision of mercy has to be the bedrock because if we're a broken people that are rubbing shoulders together, we need to be able to offer and extend and receive mercy together. And then he seamlessly transitions into Matthew 10, which is where I want to land. And it says this, chapter 10, verse 1. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew's brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So the rubber meets the road here. We, we see uh, kind of uh, Act 1, Jesus has invited people to follow him. Act two, he's rubbing shoulders with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This cornerstone is mercy. And then in chapter 10, act three, we see Jesus kind of identify who these 12 are. And it's super easy that we can just bypass these names. I might get any kind of name. You just kind of skip over to the next session because it's like, I don't know who these people are. So we're just going to fast forward a little bit. But these names actually speak pretty profoundly to us. They teach us about the community of Jesus. There's many tensions within the names that we just read that we might overlook. And I mentioned this last year, but it's worth mentioning again. There's a tension between this guy named Simon and this guy named Matthew. Simon was a blue-collar fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector who would take a hefty profit from his tax from people like Simon. Matthew oppressed Simon. And Jesus invites both of them into community with him. There's two monikers that Matthew provides for us to help us understand what's happening here. The first is Simon is a zealot. What does that mean? So zealot is a right-wing Jewish insurgent group that conducted guerrilla-like terrorist attacks on unsuspecting Roman soldiers. So his job was to take down Rome. He detested Rome. He hated the government. He hated all the things that were related to that. And so he was a zealot. He was zealous to take down Rome. Matthew was a tax collector, and Matthew was on the payroll of Rome. Again, you begin to flesh this out a little bit. Jesus invites Simon the zealot and Matthew the tax collector into the same community together. It would be like, again, it would be like Ben Shapiro, the conservative right-wing political commentator, having to live in community with someone like AOC, right? Just imagine, imagine the, 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 the polarization of those two people having to link arms together in community. I mean, it's such extremes, but when we read this, we miss the 
reality and the difficulty that it would take for Matthew the tax collector who oppressed Simon the zealot and for them to be required to follow Jesus together. That is a vision for community that we know nothing of. Because again, our view of community is about chemistry. I need people that vibe with me. I need people that are like me. I need people that interact with me. I need people with the same hobbies as me. It's so selfish that we don't even realize it. We don't realize how selfish our vision of community is. It's all about me and what I want. People in the same stage of life as me, the same whatever as me. And so we begin to seek that out and we, get dis- we, we miss the opportunity of having other people who are different than us help us follow Jesus together. When we're all alike, look alike, act alike, same stage, life's all the same, we miss the joy of having different people rub shoulders in us. Uh, and, and Jesus is giving us that vision. And these two verses, Matthew the tax collector, Simon the zealot, coming together and learning to grow together. They were committed to each other, not because of opinions or politics or hobby similarities, but because of their firm belief that Jesus was Lord. That was the glue for them. They were convinced that Jesus was Lord, and they wanted to follow Jesus. And that was the glue, the only glue for them. It was the compassion and mercy of Jesus and community that became the bedrock of this new movement that began to shake cultures and continents. It was counter to everything the world knew. This new community that was not based upon similarities or political preferences or hobbies, but it was based upon Jesus. And this movement became like a wave that shaped countries and kingdoms across the world. And it can still do so today. But we have to be careful to not look more like the culture than we do look like Jesus. We have to make sure that we reset upon this. So what is Christian community? It's commitment with a common bond of care and following Jesus. It's a commitment with a common bond of care and choosing to follow Jesus together. It's this beautifully eclectic group of people. It's not insulated, but it's a group of people that care for others. This is the practice that Jesus invites us into. This is what it looks like. Rubbing shoulders with people that are different than you. Growing together. Learning to have mercy as the cornerstone. Allowing this vision of the community and fellowship and partnership to be the bedrock of who we are. See, in Christian community, we live in a geographically similar area. We have this common goal of following Jesus. This is what you've been saved into. You're not just saved or, or your salvation isn't just about, about just being an individual, but you're saved into a family. We're going to talk about it next week. But you're now adopted into this body that Jesus has bought with his blood. And Stanley Grins and, and the book Create for Com- Created for Community says this, According to the Bible, God's ultimate desire is to create from all nations a reconciled people, living within a renewed creation, and enjoying the presence of the triune God. And he is... He's purchased people, not just individuals, but people with his blood into this family that he's invited us into. And this is the vision that we are invited into. So I want to I end with just a few challenges for us as we consider this vision of community. First is this. Uh, we are invited to give up our autonomy. If we actually want to follow Jesus together, if we actually want to do community together, for real, we're invited to give up our autonomy. Autonomy just means self government. We're invited to take ourselves off the throne. And some of you don't realize how much a gift that you are to this community, and you just stay on the fringes. 
You miss the fact that you have giftings and things that you can bring to the table, but in your own autonomy, you've just relegated yourself to the sidelines. Man, I want to invite you to see that you are a gift to this community and that we need you and we are better with you. We give up our autonomy in community. Comes a point with Christian community that we say we need each other to go through life. I don't need just need my own self-will, but I need others to help me follow Jesus. We've been socialized to believe that our own dreams and goals and personal fulfillment ought to take precedence over the well-being of any group. And man, we need to shift that ship towards being more like Jesus and less like our culture. So we are invited to give up our autonomy. Secondly, we're invited to de-romanticize our view of community. We talked about that before with the Bonhoeffer quote. He who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes the destroyer of the latter. Man, and de-romanticizing your, uh, your vision of community. That means there are going to be some weeks you show up to community group and you're not super excited about going. Like, were there weeks that you guys weren't excited about coming? So our group, that was real. There were times when Chazos weren't excited. There were times when Alex and I were like, this is too much. We got too much going on. But we, we chose to continue to sign up, to recognize that but we need each other. We need to grow together. It will have bumps along the way, but life together has the potential to do something special in us. But we have to let go of a de-romanticized view. Third, we're invited to overcome fear. And you begin to rub shoulders with people, insecurities begin to come out. If we're honest, comparison begins to come out. Man, I'm not like that person in that. Oh, man, they're so gifted with that. Oh, man, I wish I was like that. Oh, man, they have that job. My job sucks. Like, all of a sudden, like, we're, like, now comparing, and all of a sudden, fears begin to come up. It's like, that wouldn't be happening if I wasn't in community. But, man, these are opportunities for us to lean upon Jesus and actually find healing within that. See, some, some fear comes from looking, uh, looking from people we only can find in God. There's a, a guy named Henry Now, and he talks about um, if we seek in each other what we only can find in God, we become leeches. But when we find our life and our identity in Jesus, and we reset upon that, then we're actually able to provide something. I don't need you to fulfill me. I need you because we're community. And there's two different there's two different realities within that. One is like, I need you to make me feel special. I need you to make me feel valuable. I need, versus I'm already loved, but I need you because we're in this body together. And that's the healthy vision that we want to create. And so again, uh, we're invited to overcome fear. And then lastly, we're invited to commit. Commitment's like this scary word. It's like a new four-letter word in our day and age, for real. Like we're a generation of FOMOers, fear, people who fe- are fearful of missing out. And so because we're fearful of missing out, we don't commit. Because if we commit, we might miss out on other opportunities. And so we end up becoming more isolated. We become more uh, lonely because we don't commit. And so in our community groups, we offer a, even a requirement that we commit together. We have this thing in the back of our mind that says, what if something better comes up? And it will. Something better might come up. But consistently, the consistency and investment and community over the long haul is better than anything that comes up. Like you give yourself to community year, month after month, year after year, investing into being known and knowing one another. That's better than any kind of FOMO moment that might come up. See, people who don't commit don't grow. 
People who don't commit together don't grow. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine growth and community. Long-term commitment through the bumps and bruises and difficulty coming out on the other side is always better for us. When we go from church to church, we become like spiritual nomads and our growth is stunted. There are moments when we need to, to punt on a community, punt on a church. For sure, that is the case. There are exceptions. But as a norm, if every two or three years we find ourselves just going somewhere else, going somewhere else, going somewhere else you're never going to grow. You just won't. Studies have proven. But the opportunity of consistent commitment over the long haul has the opportunity of depth and growth together. So again, we're invited to give up autonomy. We're invited to de-romanticize our vision of community. We're invited to overcome fear. We're invited to commit so is there a practice in the life and teaching of Jesus that invites us into a new way of life that bucks against individualism? And the answer is yes. And so we have some groups coming up. We're not doing sign-ups today. We'll do those in two weeks. But we have two types of groups that are coming up. We have community groups, which we're going to be launching. We have multiple groups that are going to be uh, taking place throughout the week. Uh, over the uh, upcoming weeks, we'll be talking more about those. You'll meet all of those group leaders in two weeks. Um, but that is an opportunity where we can connect together. The, the values for that are we want to foster relationship. We want to commit to each other. We want to grow together. We want to love our neighbor, and we want to develop leaders. We want to have a space where we can grow together. And then we have groups, uh, our Bible studies. And these are groups that are going to meet on uh, some ladies. It's two groups for the ladies, and then for the guys, it's on Thursday morning. And so we're going to be studying Ephesians together. And this is an opportunity where you can grow. We want to we give you spaces where you can grow together. This is something that's super important for us. Again, what Matt said, that I would encourage you to pray less about if you should commit and pray more about if you shouldn't commit. Because we need it. We need to be able to grow together. Man, community life has deteriorated in our generation. Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. But Jesus has offered us a distinct path. It takes work, it's not easy, and it's always going to give a better return than you realize. And that's what we want to offer to you. That's what Jesus offers us as a community. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the body. As we talk more next week about family, I thank you for the, the gift the community is for us. Thank you that we haven't been saved into little silos, but we've been saved into a family where we're surrounded by brothers and sisters. We actually have the opportunity to grow together, and I pray you'd help us to do so. Lord, I, I pray for the complexity of, I know, our realities, some feeling just burned from community in the past. Lord, I pray for uh, a slow journey of healing. And, and hope to begin to occur. Um, for those that uh, have maybe just feel too exhausted and don't, don't want to invest, I, I pray for just a, a renewed hope. But for those that don't want to take steps of kind of getting to know new people, Lord, I pray that you'd give us a heart of Jesus to do so. Lord, I just pray where we are need to be met, I pray that you just meet us. I think you care more about this than we, than, than, than we do. You, you care deeply about a, a community that's a lifeline and a culture of loneliness. And I pray that we would be a, a city on a hill, truly. And this diverse community of affluence east of here and 
uh, transients on west of here and this complex reality of where we live, Lord, I pray that we'd be a city on a hill, that people would feel known and cared for and loved in this body, broken as we are. Lord, let it be so. Lord, meet us. Thank you for your care. In Jesus' name, amen.